Hello, and welcome to the first episode of The Scriptcast, a podcast that transforms unproduced film and television scripts into radio plays. I'm your host, Allison Malden. Let's take a moment to talk about how this works. Each episode of The Scriptcast features a different script by a different writer, converted to the audio format with as little intervention as possible. Slug lines and action become narration, sound effects and music are added, and the final effect is like a cross between an audiobook, a table read, and a radio play. At least that's what I'm going for. Between episodes, we'll be airing a companion series called Scriptcast Conversations, where we'll talk about the previous episode, screenwriting in particular, and creativity in general. Today's script is written by me and performed by an amazingly talented cast. We recorded over a socially distant Zoom table read that spanned four time zones, eight states, and the District of Columbia. Now put on your headphones, close your eyes, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Presenting Ungoverned, a one-hour pilot, written by Allison Malden. Exterior, Appalachian Mountains, day. The Blue Ridge looms blue and gray on the horizon. Below lies a sparse settlement, a smudge of soot at the bottom of a green valley. Exterior, mountain road, day. Solar panels glint off the top of a sleek white bus, its clean, modern look stark against decaying ruins. Exterior, market, day. The market is a warren of open-air stalls selling salvaged junk, dusty produce, and smoked meat. Townspeople in tattered clothes mill about, haggling and bartering. Will, 17, finds himself caught in the grip of a menacing hoodlum. Slightly built, Will is prone to hiding his gnawing insecurity with sarcasm and indifference. The hoodlum grabs Will and starts going through his pockets. Will seems almost resigned to the abuse. Come on, man. What you got for me, schoolboy? The hoodlum holds up a small vacuum-sealed packet and squints at the label. Dried beef and kim... kim... Kimchi? It's like a fermented cabbage? What the fuck? It's Korean. See? He points to fine print on the package. Age shipment number 47655. Product of South Korea. Got any more of that dried up ice cream stuff? No, sorry. We don't get to choose what they send us. Oh, boo fuckity who. Poor little teacher's boy got no say in the free food he gets from the government. That's not what I- The hoodlum rams his hand into Will's pants pocket and pulls out a small bundle of weed. Fucking what? This ain't even enough for two bowls. Boy, you coming up short today. In my defense, I didn't know I was buying for two. The hoodlum shakes Will till his teeth rattle. Interior mobile medical unit, day. Raj, 40s, pilots the bus with one hand, while the other dangles a hand-rolled cigarette out the window. A study in contrast, Raj has a warm bedside manner, but packs a shoulder holstered pistol. Exterior town, crossroads, day. The town is a cluster of tumble-down shanties, ramshackle buildings, and repurposed shipping containers. 
One quadrant of the crossroads is a field of overgrown grass and mud. The mobile medical unit bumps as it turns onto the field, splashing mud onto the lettering of the sign, United States Government Mobile Medical Unit. Exterior, crossroads, field, evening. Silva, 40s, crosses the field toward the medical unit, smoothing her silver-flecked hair and straightening her threadbare tunic. A teacher and academic, Silva is used to being the adult in the room, but in this moment she looks like a teenager. Raj is setting up a white tent in front of the medical unit. He sees Silva approaching and grins. Silva! They embrace. Interior, mobile medical unit, evening. Kissing and undressing, Silva and Raj stumble through a lab full of medical equipment, past an exam table into a cramped living quarters where they fall into a tiny bed. Exterior, empty highway, day. Jess Shahidi, 17, hikes up an overgrown embankment and doubles back onto a winding highway. A hard-scrabbled childhood and big ambitions have lent Jess an intensity that belies her youth. She walks with intention, dark eyes scanning the surroundings. There's a bow and quiver of arrows slung across her back. She passes a cinder block wall concealing the noise of construction equipment. A slickly branded sign on the padlocked gate reads, Dominus, Asheville. A loudspeaker at the gate advertises the new factory. Coming soon, Dominus Asheville. A roof over your head, three squares a day, work for idle hands. Signing contracts now. Coming soon, Dominus Asheville. Jess rounds a bend and stops. Ahead, a man is harassing a road vendor, laughing as he spills her pail of wild apples in the road. The man is dressed in tactical clothes and wears a handheld radio at his waist. An agent. Thirties. Jess draws her bow. Hey! The agent turns. The woman breaks away and runs into the woods. Jess keeps the arrow leveled at the man's chest. Hey! Whoa! Whoa! I'm gonna need you to put that down! She doesn't. He glances involuntarily toward an old cell phone tower in the distance. She keeps her eyes on him. He reaches for the radio. Don't. The agent scrutinizes her. What are you? Sixteen? The radio crackles and his partner's voice comes through. About a mile to the dam as the drone flies. How about I show you my ID? Exterior, open-air market, day. Francie, sixties, master tinker and mechanical genius, browses through a junk-filled stall manned by an unkempt old woman with wild white hair. She stops suddenly, her hand knuckle-deep in a box of tiny, rusting things. She plays it cool, but Eureka. Francie sidles up to the old woman and plunks her find onto the grimy counter. What's it worth to you, Tinker Totter? Francie fishes around in her bag and pulls out an ancient socket wrench. Tinker Totter think I don't know shit from shit. Francie somewhat reluctantly pulls out a hunk of cured meat wrapped in cloth. The old woman's eyes light up. Francie tucks the prize deep into her pocket. The old woman cocks an eyebrow. What do you need that such and such for anyhow? A commotion a few yards away catches Francie's eye. The hoodlum roughing up Will. Francie watches hopefully for a moment, but her face falls, disappointed. Interior, mobile medical unit, living quarters, evening. Raj holds Silva's hand in his, idly running a thumb over her palm. 
Their pillow talk sounds more like shop talk. Dominus agent seized a hydroelectric dam north of Boone, using it to power a factory in Johnson City. What did DC say? Is there a counter movement? They put a team on it, got some undercovers in the area. Maybe I should reach out, see if there's anything I can do. It's not our district. Anyway, I think you've got enough on your plate, don't you? She nods and goes quiet for a long time. Raj? Hmm? I think I need a biopsy. He sits up. What? Exterior. Open air market. Day. Will curls into a ball, protecting his soft parts. The big hoodlum lands a blow. Hey! If you kill me, where will you get all your weed? He draws back for another punch. Francie whacks the hoodlum upside the head with a billy stick. He comes for her, but she parries, dropping him with a one-two combo. Get your shit, kid. Let's go. Will snatches his bag of weed from the dirt, and they get the hell out of there. Exterior Valley Road. Evening. Francie and Will walk home from the market. Just land a couple of hits. Boot to the balls. Make it so you ain't worth his trouble. It's like you want me to get beat up. At least put up a fight. Your mama and daddy didn't raise you just to give up. Yeah, well, I'm not like them. She sighs and drapes her arm over his shoulders. I'm just saying, old grandma won't always be around to whoop ass for you. Exterior, empty highway. Day. Jess tightens the bow. Hands up. Relax. I'm government. (laughs) With gear like that, don't think so. He reaches into his vest. She releases the arrow. He screams and a handgun clatters to the ground. Blood pours from the agent's hand. Hillbilly bitch! Jess knocks another arrow. The agent reaches for the gun. Are you stupid? Carlisle, do you copy? What's going on down there? Jess backs into the woods, keeping the arrow pointed at the agent. Then she breaks into a run. Interior, mobile medical unit, exam area. Evening. Silva lies back on the exam table, eyes closed. With gloved hands, Raj inserts a syringe into Silva's breast. He places a tiny piece of tissue into a vial of clear fluid and loads the vial into a machine. It's probably nothing to worry about. A lipoma or a cyst could be a lot of things. Right, of course. Got anything to drink? Later. Silva sits on the exam table, swinging her feet and drinking from a jug of whiskey. In this moment, it's like I do have cancer and I don't have cancer. Schrodinger's cancer. (laughs) Raj is staring at the computer screen, his face ashen. She slips off the table and looks over his shoulder. Is it? He nods, speechless. She exhales sharply. With great effort, Raj shifts into doctor mode. Invasive ductal carcinoma. Uh, There is a treatment. I've never seen it in the States. I saw it years ago in Texas, but... Texas? Might as well be the moon. I could go back, cross the border. With your record, the rangers would pick you up in a heartbeat. It's been six years. Doesn't matter. You're on the list. I can't just do nothing. Call the other doctors in the network. Maybe even the Texas Underground. I'll reach out to my contacts in D.C. He nods, but they both know it's futile. He pulls her close. Exterior, Shahidi home, evening. Jess walks down a hill to the Shahidi family home, a rambling plot of land with a run-down farmhouse, decrepit outbuildings, and a rocky field of potato plants. 
The Shahidi family waves to her from the field. Her father pulls a plow steered by her mother, the baby strapped to her back. Four dark-eyed siblings trail behind, each toting a bucket full of pale new potatoes. Hey, Jesse. How was school? Exterior. Valley Road. Day. Dusk falls over the valley as Silva walks home from town. She pauses, taking in the view of her home, the library. Despite decades of patches and repairs, the brick and glass structure maintains a kind of shabby grandeur. At the back of the building, a fire burns in the outdoor kitchen. Exterior, library, kitchen, evening. The outdoor kitchen consists of a fire pit full of glowing coals, assorted chairs and benches, and a covered area hung with cookware. Francie and Will roast corn over the fire and chat. Silva approaches, her expression startling them into silence. Cut to... There is a treatment, but it's only available in Texas. Maybe Canada. Nowhere in the States. Will sinks into his own shattered world. Francie is at a loss, faced with one thing even she can't fix. Don't tell me you're thinking about going to Texas. No, it's a fool's errand. No one could make that journey on foot. Raj and I will do everything we can. We'll reach out to our contacts, but I think we have to make peace with it. Silva squeezes Will's hand. He watches her face, but her voice seems far away. Will... I'm sorry, son. I don't know what to say. Overcome, he rushes inside. Silva wipes away tears. Silva. I need to, um... I'm going to collect myself. Silva kisses Francie on the forehead and walks away. Francie reaches into her pocket and pulls out her market purchase, rolling it idly in her palm. It's a spark plug. Interior, library, classroom, night. There's a blackboard across one wall, a cluster of mismatched tables and desks, and bookshelves lining the back of the room. Through tears, Will looks at the map of North America titled, The Former United States. Will's eyes lock on Texas. The map reads, Sovereign Republic of Texas. Exterior, Valley Road, Dawn. Jess walks down the road, shoulders laden with a backpack and bow. She's alert, wary. Interior, Will's room, day. Will stares at an ancient electronic tablet, cracked and wrapped in fraying duct tape. It's connected to a pack of solar cells in the window. On screen, a family photo. Will, about eight, Silva, younger and happy, and Will's father, smiling proudly. There's a quick knock on the door in his mother's voice. Let's go, Will. Rise and shine. Exterior, Valley Road, Dawn. Jess steps off the road and into the woods. Exterior, Woods, Dumping Ground, Morning. Jess comes to an ancient dumping ground littered with rusted out cars, furniture, appliances, and electronics. She pries open the trunk of a car, taking something from her pack and tucks it inside. Then she heads out again. Exterior, Francie's Workshop, Day. The workshop is a lean-to shed on the side of the library, open to the elements and packed with all manner of junk, electronics, found equipment, scrap metal. Francie is on her back beneath a mass of auto parts and wires. Hello, Francie. Gil, 50s, pokes his head into the workshop. Got time for a little hike? Not really a good time, Gil. Oh, come on, Francie. You're going to want to see this. Interior library, 
Classroom Day. The students range in age from 8 to 18, about 15 total, all sharing dog-eared textbooks. Will and Jess sit at a table together. Silva is finishing a timeline on the blackboard. 1787, Constitutional Convention. 1865, 13th Amendment abolishes slavery. 1920, the 19th Amendment gives women the right to vote. 2052, the Great Collapse. The United States breaks apart. 2153, Second U.S. Constitutional Convention. She circles the year 2153. In a few days, delegates from all over the ungoverned states are coming here for a second constitutional convention. Right here in this room, we will debate the terms of a new government. It's the first step in reuniting the former United States. And in honor of this historic moment, today we're learning about the first Constitutional Convention in 1787. Let's start by reading Chapter 9. Upperclassmen, help the little ones. All right, I need to conference with my seniors. Exterior mountainside, day. Gil and Francie hike up the side of a mountain. They stop at a bluff overlooking the valley. Gil positions himself behind a rhododendron and hands her a pair of binoculars. Dominus Factory. Tell me what you see. Intercut with binoculars view. A walled compound encompassing many acres. A few buildings are already framed out. Some are still concrete pads. Looks like your basic construction site. She scans the site. Workers mount razor wire to the top of the outer wall. Armed guards patrol the perimeter. Security is a bit much. Check out the northeast corner. She finds the frame of a large, multi-story building. Barracks. Housing for the workers. See how it's divided into real small spaces? Yeah. We got our hands on the blueprints. Living quarters measure eight feet by six feet. More like prison cells and dormitories. Francie lowers the binoculars and looks at Gil. Blueprints? How'd y'all swing that? Maybe you mind. Last week we got word from West Virginia. Local staged a protest at a factory outside Charleston. Dominus shut it down with force sent their corporate army to occupy the area. Now they control who goes in and out. They burn homes and crops. They got it so people have no choice but to work in the factory. What you getting at? We're gonna take it down. Blow up the site before construction is finished. But we need your help. I don't do bombs. You blew up a bridge on the parkway and that overpass in Atlanta. Those were demos. Are the reunionists behind this? We wouldn't make a move without their support. Still, I don't do bombs. Not even for them. Interior, library, classroom, later. Will stares down at his book, Mind Elsewhere. In the back of the room, Jess sits across from Silva at a large desk. Both look anxious. Silva hands Jess a piece of paper. The letterhead reads, Research Triangle Knowledge Center. Jess scans the letter. Unable to place you at this time. Wait list. Thank you for your application. She's crushed. Unable to contain herself, she stands. Jess, please, sit down. I'm sorry. I spoke to admissions. They loved your application. But there weren't enough spots this year. I pushed for you, but I just don't have enough sway. You're on the wait list. If anyone drops out, you'll be the first one in. 
Does anyone ever drop out? Rarely. If you want, I'll help you apply to some other knowledge centers. I know people in D.C., Atlanta... Those are even more competitive than the Triangle. Yes. What am I supposed to do? I can't stay here. Keep studying. Reapply next year. Do you think I'll get in next year? It's possible. Jess, to be honest, I, I don't know. But I do know you are the brightest, toughest kid I've ever taught. You will find a way. It may not look like what you imagined, but you'll find a way. Jess nods, fighting back tears. She goes back to her seat. Silva frowns and rubs her eyes. Will? Will sits across from his mom. She hands him a letter. What's this? Your acceptance to the Knowledge Center. That's funny. I remember telling you I wasn't going. We're not having this argument again. You're going. No, I'm not. Especially not now. Yes, you are. You actually think I would leave you at a time like this? Will, listen to me. When I'm gone, the aid shipments stop. You and your grandmother will have to fend for yourself. The Knowledge Center has food, medical care, a community. It's a good life. What about you? I'll stay here. Keep teaching as long as I can. I'm not leaving you. I am your mother. It's my job to keep you safe. The Knowledge Center is by far the safest place for you. Period. Your grandmother will join you. We've already discussed it. No one discussed anything with me. Look at me, Will. I've never subscribed to authoritarian methods of parenting, but by God, as long as I'm on this earth, I will not let you jeopardize your health and safety. Especially not for my sake. She holds eye contact for a moment to make her point. He grabs the letter and stands up. Will sits back down next to Jess, still lost in her own disappointment. For a moment, he stares daggers at the map on the board, at Texas, and the thick black line separating it from the other states. He stands up and walks out of the room, leaving his letter behind. Jess picks it up and reads, Congratulations on your acceptance. Legacy admissions program. She seethes. Interior woodshed day. A fire burns under a large copper pot of corn mash. A long pipe leads to a condenser coil, which drips clear liquid into a smaller pot. A moonshine still. Will stares into space. Francie fills a bowl with moonshine and holds out her hand expectantly. Match? Will grabs a match from the shelf on the wall. She dips a spoon in the clear liquid. Light it up. You want me to light the moonshine on fire? Ethanol, boy. Light the ethanol. He strikes the match and holds the flame to the liquid. It burns fast and blue. Ha! Blue means we're good to go. Listen, if it ever burns red or yellow, don't you drink it. You hear me? I hear you. Not that you should be drinking this shit anyway. She glances at Will. He's somewhere else. Hey. How you doing? Fine. Fine? What does fine mean? You know, my mom's got cancer, but I'm fine. My mom's trying to banish me to a knowledge center, but I'm fine. Everything's fine. Hey, we don't know how this thing is going to play out. Your mama could hang on for years. Years? Well, we don't know. Cancer is unpredictable. But you know what? Life is unpredictable. This crazy-ass world, we could all die tomorrow. Get picked off by a hijacker, get a hold of some bad drinking water and shit ourselves to death. Possibilities are endless. But if I learned anything from losing your dad, we gotta enjoy what time we have while we have it. 
right now. Will nods, too emotional to speak. You going to the bonfire tonight? He shrugs. I think you ought to. Get out of your head. He distractedly stucks the fire, sending sparks flying. Boy, didn't you just see how flammable this shit is? Exterior, the Shahidi's house, back porch, evening. Jess sits on a pallet of blankets, staring at the rejection letter. The back door opens, and Jess's little sister, Tima, four years old, runs out, quickly followed by Mrs. Shahidi. She's lean and weary, like a Dorothea Lange photograph. Okay, baby girl. You go potty. I'll be here. The little girl runs across the yard to a small outhouse. Mrs. Shahidi sits down next to Jess. You sleeping out here tonight? Yeah. Too hot in there. The door opens again. This time it's Drew, Jess's 15-year-old brother. He has Jess's sharp intellect but no formal education. He carries a fussy baby. She's still hungry. Mrs. Shahidi takes the child and begins to nurse her. She peers at the text on the page. What's this? It's from the Knowledge Center. Is it? Did you get in? Jess looks at her mother, clothes threadbare and stained, eyes red from dust and exhaustion. Yes, I did. Mrs. Shahidi pastes a smile over her heartbreak. She reaches across the baby at her breast to embrace Jess. Oh, sweet Jessie, I know how hard you worked for this. Thanks, Mama. Tima runs back from the outhouse and flings her arms around Jess. She kisses her little sister's cheek. When does it start? August. So we have a few more months with you. Jess smiles through a mix of feelings. Mrs. Shahidi kisses her and stands up. Time for bed. Come on, Tima. Good night, Drewy. Good night, Jessie. The moment the door closes, Drew snatches the letter. Hey! It says you're on a wait list. Why would you lie about that? This is what I get for teaching you to read? She snatches it back. I'm not going to say anything. I won't have to. August comes around and you're still here. They'll figure it out themselves. You don't have to know how to read or work that one out. I'll get in. I don't know how yet, but I'll find a way. Why are you so hell-bent on getting out of here? She eyes the open window and lowers her voice. I can't live like this. Like Mama. Always pregnant. Or nursing. Working in the field. Never having enough to eat. It ain't always like that. I remember more than you. So don't have kids. She shakes her head at his naivety. And do what? Break my back picking rotten potatoes out of the dirt? Raise my brothers and sisters and, and their kids and their kids? Is that so horrible? We're your family. It's not what I want. Well, it looks like you might be stuck with us. He walks into the house. She watches him, sad but still determined. Exterior, Francie's workshop, evening. Francie stands at a workbench, splicing wires. Behind her, there's a massive tarp-covered lump. Silva sits on a table, dangling her legs and scribbling in a notebook. <sighs> Oklahoma's going to be a problem. Insisting on keeping their oil rights, knowing good and well that until we establish a new currency, the feds are going to take a percentage of the output as taxes. Uh, they'll get over it. I don't think so. It's the kind of issue that could derail this whole thing. <sighs> Fossil fuels could be our demise. Again. So take a breath. 
You don't have to figure this out yourself. Ain't that what the convention is for? Yes, but... Yes. That's exactly what it's for. So relax. Eat something. Have a little nip and moonshine. I just... I don't know how much time I have left. I need this to work. I need to know Will's going to be okay. Francie looks at her with compassion. Tell Oklahoma they got their oil rights back as soon as the new currency is in circulation. Get it in writing, have the president sign it, all official and shit. Silva smiles and wipes her eyes, then continues scribbling. Exterior, riverbank, night. A tree-canopied riverbank, lit by a crackling bonfire. Teens loiter in the flickering shadows, drinking, smoking, and dancing to a beat tapped out on upturned barrels and buckets. Jess watches from the side, still feeling down. A laughing girl drags Jess to the dance, and for a moment, we see the teenager beneath her tough facade. Under some trees, Will sits with Jones, 15, who's taking a hit on a homemade bong. Will pulls out a jar of moonshine and takes a swig. Oh, shit. Where'd you get that? (coughs) Thank my grandma. Actually, don't. Don't tell my grandma. Will takes another healthy swig. Hey, yo, man. Pace yourself. An impromptu rap battle is going down in a drum circle. Jess joins the ring of kids watching and pounding rhythmically on their thighs. She cuts an annoyed glance at Will, now surrounded by kids bumming shots of moonshine. Later. The fire has died down, and the teenagers have begun to pair up and wander off into the woods. Will groans as a girl pulls Jones away. Come on, man. Dude, catch you later. Will looks across the riverbank to Jess. Their eyes meet. He raises the nearly empty jar of moonshine. Jess scowls and starts packing up her things. He approaches, a little zigzag in his gait. Want a sip? No. Come on, don't leave me hanging. Been a while since we hung out. Walk it off, Will. Okay. He watches her head into the woods. Exterior woods. Night. Jess strides up a wooded incline. Will follows. Don't follow me. I'm walking, like you said. Walk somewhere else. My house is this way. Exterior. Valley road. Night. Jess marches down the moonlit road, Will trailing behind. He stops, focusing his bleary eyes on her back. He focuses his rage there, too. Hey! What's your problem? She turns around. What? We used to be friends. We used to hang out. Now you're... Busy. I'm busy. Studying, working in the field, hunting, fishing. We don't all get things handed to us. Will smashes the jar on the ground. Everybody thinks my life is so fucking easy. It's not. I would trade it all. I don't care about any of it. He breaks into tears. What? What's wrong? My mom has cancer. Jess is stunned into silence. Will turns and wretches into the weeds. When he's finished, she shoves her water bottle into his hands. Drink. Think I've had enough. It's water. Will drinks. He seems a little more sober. Does she really have cancer? Raj did a biopsy. He fights back tears. She processes, genuinely upset. Can't he do something? There's a treatment, but it's only available in Texas. Texas. I keep thinking, if my dad 
we're here. I mean, <laughs> he'd be halfway to Austin by now. Instead, she's got me here doing this. And if she doesn't get the treatment? Will looks away. Her wheels are turning. What if we went? To Texas? Why not? <laughs> we don't have visas. We'd have to cross illegally. If we could even get that far, it's like a thousand miles on foot. We'd need supplies and weapons. Let me show you something. Exterior woods, dumping ground, night. Jess opens the car trunk while Will peers through the darkness. What is it? Supplies for a three-week journey. A map, food, extra arrows, knife. Won't go as far with two people, but we can supplement with hunting and fishing. Will stares at her wide-eyed. I can supplement with hunting and fishing. Why do you have all this? My trip to the Knowledge Center. I've been saving for months. Had enough to get to Durham weeks ago, but I just kept saving. Won't you need it when you go? I didn't get in. Oh. Shit. Figure I can do 15 to 18 miles a day if I push myself. Stopping for food would slow us down a little. A thousand miles. That's about 60 days of walking. You said you have supplies for three weeks. That's not even close. What about all those MREs you're always trying to hawk? That would stretch it. Food is the least of our problems. Neither of us has ever left this valley. We don't even know what's out there. Jackers, agents, your basic robbers and rapers. I can handle myself. No. Forget it. It's insane. He turns to go. You want to know why we don't hang out? This. This is why. You used to do shit. You used to care. Remember when we would compete with each other? Push each other? Now all you do is get wasted all the time. What happened to you? You know what happened. Your dad died. I'm sorry. That was eight years ago. Six. Six years. You think you're some kind of badass? Think you know what it's like out there? Here's the truth, Jess. People leave. And they don't come back. He walks away, leaving her in the dark. Interior, Will's room. The next day. Will is welded to the bed, face smashed against the mattress. Excruciating light shines in from the window. Outside, there's a brief rumble. A stutter start, and another sustained rumble. Then Francie's triumphant cackle. Will drags himself to the window. Insert window view. Below, Francie stands in the middle of the yard, leaning over... Is that a... a motorcycle? Exterior, library, yard, day. Will runs out from the library, where Silva is already watching Francie gleefully rev the engine. The motorcycle is a magnificent, shambling assemblage of mismatched auto parts. It has two tandem seats and a small flatbed on the back for hauling things. Silva and Will stare in wonder. For a moment, the cancer cloud is lifted. Exterior, library, road, day. Francie and Will take the bike for a wobbly practice run while Silva cheers from the shoulder. They make a few easy laps, enjoying the wind in their hair. Francie pulls over and dismounts. I always wonder what that would feel like. Grandma, can I drive? Francie is taken aback by the light in his face. She looks to Silva, who notices it too. Helmet. 
Cut to Will on the bike, wearing a beat-up helmet. The bike lurches forward, fishtails a bit, and then he's off. Exterior, valley road, day. The motorcycle rumbles through sun-dappled hollows. Branches and insects whip and ping. Will squeezes the throttle and the bike carries him forward. He edges around a bend, leaning his body into the turn. Wind tugs at his clothes and hair, blowing away the fog of booze and sadness. His eyes fill up with something new. Interior, Francie's workshop, day. Will sits on the workbench, watching Francie tinker with the motorcycle. He's still flushed from the ride, but pensive. Think we've got a hell's angel on our hands. Who would have thought it? Huh? Uh, it's, uh, never mind. When can I take it out again? She senses a change in him, and it pleases her. I'm going to tweak the alternator. Think I can rig up a headlight. Maybe tomorrow? Okay? Exterior, empty highway. Day. Will walks with purpose down the highway. Exterior, Shahidi home. Day. Will stops at the edge of the Shahidi property. Mrs. Shahidi is on the porch with the baby. Jess and her siblings help Mr. Shahidi spread potatoes over blankets in the sun. Is that Will Turner? Boy, you growed up. Hi, Mrs. Shahidi. Mr. Shahidi. Will notices the slump in the porch, the meager potatoes, the barefoot children. What are you doing here? Jess, act like you've got some manners. I, uh, can we go for a walk? Mr. Shahidi grins. Druga falls. Jess glares at them. Exterior, empty highway, day. Jess walks quickly, eager to escape her family's prying eyes. Will jogs to keep up. Don't make me chase you, damn. What do you want? Sorry, I just... He notices the dust on her arms and legs, the smudges on her face. What? I want to show you something. Exterior library, road, day. Will and Jess stand at the road, watching Francie in the shed. She gives the motorcycle a few test revs. Jess stares, open-mouthed. That's a... (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) How'd she... Moonshine? Come on, she's gonna see us. They retreat into the shade of the trees. Exterior woods, day. The woods are cool and quiet, but the motorcycle can still be heard faintly. Jess scowls at Will, irritated. You bring me here just to show off. No. No. What you said last night about going to Texas, does it still stand? Yeah, it stands. Oh shit, the bike. I was thinking. It might not take us all the way, but it's something. It's... Yeah, something. (laughs) So? Are we doing this? Jess pauses, serious. If I do this, get you to Texas and back. I want your spot at the Knowledge Center. He takes a breath to say something, but stops himself. That's the only way you'll do it? You can get in any time you want. Legacy admission. I need this. Uh, It's yours. Exterior, library, yard, evening. Francie approaches the workshop, but stops when she sees Will and Jess inside. She sees them putting things into a cloth sack. She furrows her brow, but then notices Will, confident, motivated. She backs away, leaving them to it. Interior, Francie's workshop, day. Will and Jess rummage through Francie's junk collection. Got it. What else? He places something in Jess's hand, a flint igniter. Didn't know he was still in town. 
Jess nods toward the yard where Raj is walking down from the road. Silva greets him with a kiss. Yeah. We should talk to him. Maybe he'll give us a ride. Will considers it. Interior, Francie's workshop that night. Francie enters the workshop carrying two milky plastic canisters full of moonshine. She loads the canisters onto the back of the motorcycle. Then she hangs two helmets from the handlebars. Finally, she puts the key in the ignition and walks away. Exterior, library, road, night. Jess waits on the side of the road. Will approaches, pushing the motorcycle. They set out towards town. Interior, mobile medical unit, living quarters, night. Raj wakes with a start and sits up in bed. Someone is knocking on the door. He opens the door slowly, gun in hand. It's Will and Jess. Behind them, the motorcycle. Cut to... Absolutely not. Raj, Will, and Jess stand around the darkened lab. Just take us as far as you can. Save us a couple of days on the road. Out of the question. We're not asking for permission. We're asking for help. Sorry, who are you again? Jess. Shahidi. Oh, Shahidi. Yeah. Yeah, I delivered a couple of your brothers. I'm not sending you on a suicide mission! It's not... Okay. Never mind. Come on, Jess. Exterior. Town. Crossroads. Night. Will and Jess roll the motorcycle away from the field and the mobile medical unit. Their expressions grim, expectant. In the distance, the door to the medical unit bangs open and Raj steps out. His voice echoes through the crossroads. Wait! Exterior. Mountain Road. Night. The medical unit rolls down the road, Francie's motorcycle strapped to the back. Interior. Mobile medical unit. Night. Raj drives, gruff and begrudgingly. Will sits in the passenger seat watching the pavement roll by. Jess kneels between them and studies a road map. Haven't done it in years, but used to be. Best place to cross was outside Texarkana. Some guys might approach you saying they want to take you across. Those are coyotes. You can't trust them. Just watch the border patrol for a couple days. Learn their routine. Cross when you know they're not around. Raj opens the glove compartment, revealing several handguns and boxes of ammunition. He passes a pistol to Jess. Either of you know how to shoot? I do. I do. My dad has one. That's the safety. Keep it on until you're ready to pull the trigger. Extra ammo. Take a couple of flares while you're at it. Exterior rural road. Dawn. The landscape is flat now, but still heavily forested. The sky is just beginning to turn light. Interior mobile medical unit. Dawn. Raj brings the vehicle to a stop and points to the in-dash GPS. Gotta stop here. This thing has an anti-theft failsafe. I leave the district. Engine shuts off automatically. Will and Jess nod, eyes wide. It's getting real now. Exterior rural road, Alabama. Dawn. A few yards ahead of the medical unit, a faded, bullet-riddled sign reads, Welcome to Alabama the Beautiful. Raj helps Will and Jess unload the motorcycle. Then he hands Will a folded piece of paper. Friend of mine in Austin. She's a doctor, but works with the reunionists on the down low. She'll be expecting you. Don't blow her cover. And memorize the address in case you lose it. Will and Jess look at the paper. Dr. Maggie Alvarez. Are you sure you want to do this? I'll take you back right now. Your mom never has to know. No. We're doing this. Raj exhales, agitated. Okay, listen. If you get in trouble, this side of the border... Then tell him who your dad was. But when you get into Texas, tell no one who your parents are. 
Don't even use your real name, you hear? Yes. Heard. Jess looks at Will curiously. Raj frowns and heads back to the bus. Then he turns around. Your mother will never forgive me. Exterior, rural road, Alabama. Dawn. The medical unit pulls away, leaving Will and Jess alone on the road, loud with forest birds and insects. Together they secure the fuel canisters in the bike's flatbed. They stack their bags on top and tie them down. They don helmets and climb on. Will turns the key and the motorcycle sputters to life and carries them into Alabama. Interior library, day. Silva knocks on Will's door, then peeks inside. Will? Will? The room is empty. Interior library, classroom, day. Silva steps into the classroom, followed by Francie. On the board, a note from Will. Gone to Texas. Coming back with medicine. Don't worry. Exterior, Francie's workshop, day. Silva scans the yard frantically. Inside the workshop, the motorcycle is gone. Francie closes her eyes as Silva wails in English. <laughs> Exterior, rural road, Alabama, day. Montage. Will and Jess cruise past kudzu-covered forests, ruins of a gas station, and highway beggars watching them with hollow eyes. Exterior, town crossroads, day. Silva approaches the crossroads, then stops. The field where the medical unit stood before is empty. Exterior, open-air market, day. Silva makes her way through the market, grabbing unsuspecting people and grilling them about Will. A withered hand grabs Silva's arm. It's the old woman. Hey, teacher woman. Looking for your boy? Yes. Yes, have you seen him? Yeah. Seen him run off with the doc last night. The doctor? Raj? Yeah, pretty fella. The doctor, I mean, not your boy. Silva doesn't hear her. Her mind is reeling. Exterior, rural road, Alabama. Day. Will and Jess rolling down a dusty stretch of highway. Up ahead on the shoulder, two motorcycles are pulled over. Tough, factory-made machines. An agent lies on the ground working on his bike. Another agent leans against the other. Jess gapes. One of his hands is bandaged. It's Carlisle. He watches their approach. A curious sight. Two kids on a jalopy bike, piled high with junk. Then he clocks her. Hillbilly bitch. Shit. What? We gotta go. Now. Behind them, Carlisle jumps onto his motorcycle. What's wrong? Just drive. He guns it. But Carlisle is gaining on them. The motorcycle rattles and shakes like it could fall apart any minute. Who is that? Shit. Shit. Jess grabs the gun and turns around, so she's straddling the bike backwards. She fires at Carlisle, but the bike is shaking so badly she can't get a good shot. She sees splashing. The canisters are hit, leaking fuel. She reaches blindly into her pack and rips out a piece of cloth. She stuffs it into the bullet hole in the canister. Moonshine soaks the fabric. More gunshots. She grabs the flint igniter. She clicks the igniter against the soaked fabric. Sparks become a flame and she shoves the canister off the back. The canister explodes into a ball of fire. The bike swerves, but Will regains control. Behind them, Carlisle skips through the fire and crashes. Will and Jess speed away, eyes wide, knuckles white. Interior, Silva's room, day. Silver powers on a banged-up military-grade laptop with a satellite receiver, connected to a bank of solar cells in the window. Raj's face appears on the screen. Silva. 
Raj, listen. Is Will with you? He left a note, said he'd gone to Texas. Raj looks down. Raj? They were going with or without me. He made up his mind. What have you done? I'm sorry, Silver. I'm sorry. Where is he? Alabama. Get your ass out there and find my son. Silver, please, try to understand. Don't talk. Go. She ends the call. Alone again, Silva weeps. <laughs> Exterior rural road, Alabama. Day. The throttle is wide open. Jess checks over her shoulder, but the road behind them is empty. She looks down at Will's leg. You're bleeding. Exterior, woods. Somewhere in Alabama. Day. Jess and Will push the bike deep into the woods. Will sits on the ground, legs out straight. Jess cuts his pant leg at mid-thigh, revealing a long, deep gash above the knee. He sees the blood and falls back on his elbows. Jess pours what's left of the moonshine on his wound. Ah! Quiet. They could still be around. She ties a strip of cloth around his leg as a tourniquet, then bandages the wound with more fabric. You're lucky. It just grazed you. This is your idea of lucky? We'll spend the night here. She unfolds a tarp and starts setting up a tent. Why was that guy chasing us? I don't know. He yelled something like he knew you. How would he know me? Why else would he chase us? What the hell's your problem? You blew up our fuel. You got me shot. Now we'll probably die out here. Hey, I saved our asses. You think that shitty liquor cycle was going to outrun a corporate bike? Not a chance. And by the way, nobody tricked you into coming here. You knew it was dangerous. Well, guess what? This is what danger looks like. Maybe if you didn't grow up with the government spoon in your mouth, you'd know that most of us don't have the luxury of bitching and crying about it. We get the fuck up and move on. Angry, he tries to get up and winces in pain. Not literally, so you're ass down. Exterior, rural road, Alabama, day. Carlisle peels himself off scorched pavement. He's pissed. Suarez roars up on his bike. He's as tough as Carlisle, but softer around the eyes. There's a real human in there. You okay? That's the fucking bitch that shot my hand. Suarez follows the direction of the skid marks, then kneels down and puts his finger in something. Blood. Hey, Carlisle, you bleeding? No. No, just banged up. Suarez opens a high-tech briefcase. Inside, it's a bulky laptop computer. He smears a drop of blood between two glass slides and inserts them into a port on the side. On the computer screen, analyzing sample, Searching Dominance Database. Partial DNA match. Then a photo loads, and we're looking at Will's father. Atlanta Turner, deceased. Reunionist leader with ties to U.S. government. Survived by wife Silva, son Will, mother Francie. Areas active. North and South Carolina, Georgia, Texas. It's his son. Carlisle grabs the radio from Suarez's belt. Carlisle to dispatch. Go for dispatch. We just took fire from two radicals with confirmed ties to deceased reunionist leader Atlanta Turner. They are armed and dangerous. Permission to apprehend. The radio crackles for a moment. Permission granted. Send your coordinates and their facial data and we'll distribute to other agents in the area. Copy that. Exterior library. Day. A caravan of wagons and travelers approach from the road. Francie greets them and ushers them into the yard. Interior, Silva's room. Night. Silva hunches over the laptop. On screen, a video call with a woman in her 50s. Contact information reads, Sarah Sandoval, 
Huntsville Knowledge Center. I'm sorry, Silva. If I hear anything, you'll be the first to know. Thank you, Sarah. She ends the call and brings up the next name in her contact list. Kendrick Lehman, Oxford, Mississippi. Ken, hi. Uh, Listen, I need your help. Interior, tent, night. Will and Jess lie back to back inside Jess's tent. They don't sleep. They don't speak. The tension is palpable. The next morning, Will is asleep. Suddenly the tent rips away and daylight floods in as Jess noisily folds the tarp. He groans. Time to go? We're out of fuel, remember? We can't sit here and do nothing. We'll take a walk, maybe find someone selling hooch. In case you missed it, I'm down a leg. You'll have to go by yourself. No. Splitting up is a bad idea. Should have thought of that before you got me shot. If looks could kill, Will would be up in smoke. A rumbling in the distance breaks the tension. Then a drum beat and a low, thumping bass line. Is that... music? Jess walks towards the sound. Will limps behind her. What are you doing? We don't know who's out there. Hmm. Thought you couldn't walk. As they get closer, the music gets louder. Through the trees, they see a large box truck parked in an open field. They creep closer for a better look. On a small stage, a couple of musicians do a sound check. Others mill about, unloading equipment from the truck. Jess spots a generator and several fuel canisters. Will watches with dismay as she steps out of the woods and creeps towards the fuel canisters. The troop is unaware. Exterior, open field, day. Jess grips the handle of a fuel canister. Well, hello. She whirls around to see Annie, 30s, a stocky redhead in a military vest, flanked by two men. One a beanstalk, the other a brick house. Surrounded, Jess squares off. Cut to, Jess stands in front of the trucks, hands tied behind her back. She's guarded by Annie and both her sidekicks. Will stumbles up, hands tied behind his back, prodded along by Kia, 40s. Hey, Annie found another one hiding in the woods. Damn, it took all three of y'all to pin her down? Annie points at Will's bandaged leg. Looks like yours wasn't no fair fight. Let us go. Like shit. The band has stopped practicing to watch the commotion. Deirdre, 40s, the leader. She's striking with a commanding voice and graceful bearing. Annie, who is this? Caught her trying to steal some shine off the back of the truck. Will and Jess inch closer to each other. The band closes in. Mmm. Shang. Trey, tell him what we do to thieves. The beanstalk speaks up. Last time you whipped them. Hey, let's, uh, <clears throat> how about we work something out? Girl, this is ungoverned country. We can't just let shit slide. Annie, you got your switch? Annie slices the air with a long stick, still green. Thin enough to bend, thick enough to hurt like hell. No, 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 no. Don't worry, kid. You're just the lookout. Annie approaches Jess, who tries her best to look tough. But when the switch hits her back, she yelps pitifully. Ah. Stop! Wait, his dad. Maybe you know his dad. Jess stifles a cry of pain. Will, your father! Will doesn't comprehend. He's frozen. Damn it, I don't know his first name. Turner, something Turner. Atlanta Turner. My dad was Atlanta Turner. Deirdre holds up a hand. Annie stops, switching midair. Your daddy was who? Atlanta Turner. Did did you know him? Exterior, the band's truck, day. Will and Jess sit on the amplifier. Jess holds a wet cloth to a welt on her back. Deirdre makes introductions. Barack, 40s. Calm and collected, dizzy, twirling a drumstick. Annie, of course. And finally, Trey, 
Kia, and Fletcher, the brick house. Texas. <laughs> That's where we're headed. Wait, you're going to Texas? Yeah, better question is, what business y'all two ragamuffins have in Texas? My mom has cancer. She needs medicine. Where are you going? On tour. But how do you get across the border? Entertainment visa. Texans love them some ungoverns. Fucking fascinated by us. <laughs> Can we go with you? Uh, Jess. We have our own supplies and a motorcycle. Just no fuel. No shit. Deirdre scrutinizes them. You can ride with us, to the border at least. Now we'll see about getting your papers, but no promises. Now catch you stealing from my troop again, I'll let any break you in the fucking half. Got it? Got it. So when do we leave? First thing tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yeah, I got a show tonight, kid. What? Here? Ain't you ever seen a traveling show band before? Exterior, the Shahidi home, day. Mr. Shahidi and Drew are working in the field when Mrs. Shahidi approaches, carrying the two-year-old on her hip. Amir, have you seen Jess today? Her stuff is all gone. Mr. Shahidi wipes his brow. Realization dawns on Drew. Exterior, woods, day. Jess pushes the motorcycle through the woods. Will limps alongside, carrying his backpack. We don't know these people. You see any other options? Besides, they know your dad. They knew of my dad. Lots of people do. Maybe they're reunionists. She outpaces him, oblivious to his unease. Exterior, library, afternoon. Francie surveys the yard, now filled with tents, campfires, and people milling about. A woman wearing a U.S. government-branded pullover and a middle-aged man in army fatigues walks up to Francie. Hi, Francie. Liz Brennan. I'm the White House liaison. This is General Summers, here on behalf of the military. Is Silva around? I'd like to finally meet her. She's finishing up a few things. She'll be down soon. She plays it off, but Francie is worried. Exterior, open field, twilight. Will and Jess watch the show come together. Barack shoots a flare gun into the air and watches the trail of light wobble back down to earth. The stage is set up now bookended by large black speakers powered by the generator, the box truck serving as backdrop. Trey and Kia light torches and lanterns around the stage, casting everything in warm, flickering light. As night falls, locals begin to wander up from the road. They're every age and every color, a cross-section of humanity. Their clothes are ragged and dirty, but each carries an offering, a jug of hooch, a sack of cornmeal, a hunk of cured venison, they line up and place their items on a table manned by Fletcher. The locals spread out on the field in front of the stage, mingling, passing joints, sharing drinks. Jess notices Deirdre and Dizzy hanging around the back of the truck. Locals wander up a few at a time and leave tucking something into their bags. Jess zeroes in on a middle-aged man walking away from the truck. She sidles up and slips her hand into his bag. Safely off to the side, she examines her pickpocket spoils. A paper flyer covered end-to-end -end in dense text. A prominent headline. Delegates mass in North Carolina for second constitutional convention. Silva Turner tapped to write articles of reunion. Interior, Silva's room, night. Francine knocks before entering. Silva's curled up on the bed, despondent. Everybody's here, honey. Silva says nothing. 
Francie opens the curtains, revealing the lawn lit up with campfires and torches. People are asking about you. I've called everyone. No one's seen him. He's out there alone. Francie sits on the edge of the bed. You've done all you can. Now you have a convention to lead. I can't. I can't. Listen, girl. There's a lot about this that's out of your control. I know. I know. You can't fix this cancer. You can't go back and stop Will from leaving. But listen. Listen. What you can control? You got a room full of people down there ready to wheel and deal and fight and cuss and whatever else they have to do to put this nation back together. And you're in charge. How many mamas ever get that chance, hmm? To literally build a safer world for their children. Silva takes a shaky breath. Interior classroom, night. Delegates sit at desks labeled by state. A small dais and podium have been set up in front of the blackboard. On one side, several technicians fuss over a bank of mismatched monitors, live feeds labeled with the names of distant western and midwestern states. Silva comes downstairs. She's freshened up and fixed her hair. She steps up to the podium and nods to Francie, who watches from the back of the room. Hello. Hello. I'm Silva Turner, and on behalf of the Eastern Alliance of Reunionists and the surviving federal government, I'd like to welcome you to the Second Constitutional Convention of the United States of America. The delegates whistle and cheer. Silva smiles. Exterior, open field, night. Jess watches the show from the edge of the crowd, now about 200 strong. The band is in the middle of a song. It's rock, hip-hop, blues, and country. It's the product of 100 years of post-apocalyptic musical evolution, infused with primitive, foot-stomping energy and filtered through fuzzy, crackling amplifiers. It's raw and driving and intoxicating. From the other side of the stage, Will sees Jess get swept into the roiling crowd. Jess is jostled back and forth, but she keeps her eyes on the stage. On top of the box truck, Annie and Trey stand guard with rifles. Interior classroom, night. Silva struggles to moderate a heated debate. Oklahomans won't turn over our oil rights to any government, federal or otherwise. Everybody's got to pitch in. We're all making sacrifices. Who cares about oil? We got Dominus taking over the whole districts in West Virginia. You will all have the chance to speak. Francie sees Mr. and Mrs. Shahidi in the doorway, looking distraught. She elbows her way over to them. Francie, did you know about this? About what? The convention? Jess ran away. Did you know? Mrs. Shahidi pushes past Francie. Silva. Everyone turns to look. Hey, lady, we're kind of busy here. Jenny? Where's my daughter? Jess? I I don't know. What's happened? Like hell you don't know. You've been filling her head with big ideas for years. Now you help her run away? What? Jess ran away? Silva steps down and runs to the Shahidis. The delegates murmur. What's this about? Jess is with Will? Oh, thank God. Francie watches the scene, concerned. Gil runs in from the outside and startles her. Francie! Not a good time, Gil. Something's happening. Dominus is rolling out. Rolling out? Outside, the rumble of engines. Everyone stops to listen. Exterior, library, night. The library doors open and delegates stream into the lawn. Tanks and armored trucks roll by. Drones whir overhead. 
The delegate from West Virginia wags a finger at all of them. You see? What did I tell you? Exterior open field night. The band bangs out a raucous tune, the audience a sea of motion, dancing, thrashing, and jumping. Will climbs on top of a crate and scans the audience for Jess. The crowd ripples organically, except a figure cuts a straight line through the throng, then a second and a third figure. Their paths converge on Jess. Will squints through the dim light. They look just like the other people in the crowd, except one, a man with a bandaged hand. Exterior, library, night. People yell in confusion and fear, and some are even packing up to leave. Silva stops Liz Brennan. Liz, don't go. We're not safe here. In desperation, Silva climbs on top of someone's wagon. Hey, wait! Listen up! You can leave. Yes, I can't stop you. But before you go, take a good look around. Exterior, open field, night. Jess watches the show moving with the crowd. Suddenly, there's an arm around her neck, dragging her backward. She kicks and screams, but the music drowns her out. Will plunges into the crowd, toward the danger. Exterior, library, night. Silva continues. What you see here, they're coming for you too. For your homes, and your crops, and your daughters and sons. Maybe they already have. Exterior, open field, night. Another man grabs Jess's legs. She wrenches her body and all three tumble to the ground. The crowd takes notice. Hey, get off of her! Will shouts to the surrounding crowd. They ignore him. Agents! But if we're going to stop these... these corporate invaders, we have to put aside our fear. Will leaps onto an agent, freeing Jess's legs. She kicks hard with both feet. A third agent jumps in. And our differences. Will and Jess fight for their lives, biting, scratching, and kicking. But they're losing. Will yells again in desperation. They're agents! An agent tackles Will. He yanks away the man's threadbare coat, revealing a bulletproof vest underneath. And work together. A citizen army, united against a threat to our very existence. Suddenly the crowd descends, pummeling the agents with fists, sticks, and boots. Will pulls Jess to her feet. She lunges at Carlisle, now recognizable without his disguise. On stage, the band stops playing. Hey! Break it up! Jess lands a couple blows on Carlisle, but Fletcher and Kia pull her and Will away. Deirdre signals to Annie and Trey on top of the trucks. Annie fires her gun into the air. The crowd scatters. In the chaos, Carlisle and the other agents disappear into the crowd. Exterior, library, night. Silva stands atop the wagon, waiting anxiously for response to her speech. The only sound is the rumble of tanks in the distance. Give me liberty, or give me death! The delegates cheer, and follow the New Hampshire delegate back into the library. Gil helps Silva down from the wagon, and Francie puts an arm around her. Interior. Mobile medical unit. Night. Raj kneels in front of the dashboard, replacing a panel covering a nest of wires. The floor around him is littered with tools and an open owner's manual. The in-dash GPS lights up again. He types something into it. The GPS plots a westward course through Alabama. Exterior, open field, night. Most of the locals are gone. Deirdre and Barack stand with Will and Jess, who are bruised and bloody, but okay. We had a run-in with one of them yesterday. Guess they're still mad about it. 
We didn't know they were tailing us. Y'all gotta keep a low profile. Like, I can't have agents up in my business. Will and Jess nod, surprised and relieved. Okay, folks, let's wrap this shit up. Can't stay here tonight. Interior classroom, night. The delegates have reassembled and Silva is back at the podium. I think we should table Constitution talks for now and focus on a response to this occupation. Liz, John, let's set up a satellite feed with the acting president and generals. Francie and Gil stand at the back of the classroom. Kingdom come. What? We're going to blow that factory to kingdom come. Exterior open field, night. Deirdre and Brock stand near the tree line, smoking hand-rolled cigarettes and drinking from a flask. I don't know, D. We had them one day and already catching heat. <laughs> it's a risk, but a calculated one. For what, though? That boy's mama is running point on a new government. Reek ring him back to her with that cancer treatment. She's going to be grateful. That's all I'm saying. You going to leverage the kid? I don't know, Rock. Let's just keep our options open. Exterior, woods, night. Through the trees, we see Deirdre and Barack put out their cigarettes and walk back to the truck. Will steps out from behind a tree, zipping his pants and looking disturbed. Exterior, open field, night. The truck is loaded and ready to go. A flatbed trailer full of equipment and Francie's motorcycle is hitched to the back. Will and Jess climb onto the trailer. The band members settle into the truck, some dangling their feet off the back. Annie and Trey climb up to their lookout points, gun in tow. Kia cranks the truck, Brock and Deirdre hop in beside her, and they pull onto the road. Exterior, trailer, night. Huddled together next to the motorcycle, Jess regards Will with something like respect. How's your leg? Hurts, but not that bad. I think maybe I should thank you for jumping in back there. Just returning the favor. Just smiles, but it fades quickly. That agent, Carlisle, he's chasing me because I shot him. He was already chasing us when you shot him. No. A few days ago, I caught him harassing this road hawker, the apple lady. Couldn't just walk away. No, you couldn't. I didn't know he was going to fucking chase us down. I wouldn't have put you in danger if I'd known. Yeah, I know. Good news, though. She pulls out the flyer and hands it to him. The band is distributing these on the down low. Look, there's an article about your mom. They're reunionists. Will scans the flyer, eager to absorb anything regarding his mom. But then he looks up at the back of the truck, the band lounging and smoking cigarettes. That doesn't mean we can trust them. But they're on our side. You know, my dad was killed on a reunionist mission in Texas. The truck slows to a stop. Kia kills the headlights. Ahead, a line of tanks is passing through a crossroads. It was him and Raj and another guy. Except what they didn't know is that the other guy was in bed with Dominus. Will lies the line of tanks passing in the distance. And Dominus basically owns the Texas Rangers. So this guy, this turncoat, gives their location to Dominus. Next thing you know, they're in a gunfight with the Rangers and... But we have no reason to think these guys are... I heard them talking. 
Deirdre and Barack, they want to use us as leverage, blackmail my mom. Then we won't let them. We ride with them as far as Texas, maybe let them get across the border, then split, make the trip back ourselves. Their eyes meet. Will nods. The truck shifts gears and rolls on, deeper into ungoverned country. Ungoverned. Starring Jason Wright. You think you're some kind of badass? Think you know what it's like out there? Sahana Srinivasan. Jackers, agents, your basic robbers and rapers. I can handle myself. Amanda Forstrom. Schrodinger's cancer. <laughs> Crystal Swan. We're gonna blow that factory to kingdom come. Ed Robinson. I'm not sending you on a suicide mission. Fakemo Masakoi. Hillbilly bitch. Ashley Shine. Girl, this is ungoverned country. Chris Gervais. What you got for me, schoolboy? Joe Mallon. Dominus, she's rolling out. Kelly Sardinius. Where's my daughter? Lisa Loretta. What's it worth to you, Tinker Totter? Janet Quinones. Damn, it took all three of y'all to pin her down? And Jeremy Kerr. Is that a, a motorcycle? Sound design and editing by me, Allison Malden. Music and additional sound design by Jim Boggs. Lyrics and vocals by Fakemo Masakoi. Casting help from Janet Quinones, Jordan Maranto, and Amanda Forstrom. Special thanks to Lane Skye, Chris Gervais, and Stephanie Gervais for being my guinea pigs, George Hendricks for podcast consulting services, and Josh Malden for technical and emotional support. You can see the full list of credits, including links to the artists featured in this episode, on our website, thescriptcast.com. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss our next episode, a conversation about today's script with my friend and fellow screenwriter, Rodney Stringfellow. And follow The Scriptcast on Instagram and Twitter, at The Scriptcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>